Hello, friends and family. We're glad you're here tonight. If you're with us online, we're glad you're here as well. Let's stand and just kick off the night singing and worshiping together, shall we? I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. My praise belongs to you forever. Sing this out, my testimony. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. in water oh. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Let's good news, sing it Yes, our God will finish what He started This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I'm not dead, you're not done. This is good news. Cause greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done, no, greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done, no, greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done, oh, I'm still breathing, greater things are still to come, yes, I my testimony from dead to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony oh I'm alive this is my testimony from dead to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
good news. Woo! You can have a seat. All right, Mosaic, welcome to May. Uh, we made it. Uh, am I right? Uh, I'm Charles Greathouse, and I had the privilege of going through Discover Mosaic. Uh, how many of y'all have been through Discover? Can I get an amen? amen? Sometimes when you learn more about something, it kind of ruins it. Uh, Discover Mosaic. I've been going to Mosaic for about 12 years, and the more I learned, the better it got. So I would encourage you, if you've been going for a long time and you're thinking about you know, maybe becoming a member or going through Discover, it's never too late. So I thoroughly enjoyed myself. My wife and I got to get to know this church, how we operate, our elder board, um, the principles we stand by, and it just deepened our commitment to this community, this family, and we thoroughly enjoyed going through Discover Mosaic and are thrilled to have made it and are now officially uh, members here of this church. We've always felt part of the family, and now it's a little more uh, thorough in our knowledge and understanding. Um, there were several folks that were with us that are also now new members that are brand new to Mosaic. And so for them, it was fresh eyes, introduction, and it was great to be able to, to show them a bit about what we've experienced over the years. Um, so Tim and Kelly and Alicia were with us, as well as several others from uh, Gordon and Pam, who were our leaders throughout Discover. So if you have the heart or the desire to lead Discover, please uh, talk to us, reach out to the community team. They'd be thrilled to help you understand how to connect that. And if you haven't been, it's a really rich experience getting to understand how the church operates and uh, what goes behind our wonderful, glorious experience here, uh, which is just a small part of what it is to be a part of fellowship and a part of Mosaic. Um, one of the lyrics there, right? By Jesus, I am justified. Such good news. So as a new member of this church family, I am so excited to transition to the next part of our service, which is introducing a new member of, of our uh, family, justified uh, through Christ. And so with that, I will hand it over to Nasal. Hey, y'all. Good evening. Here comes Eli. Eli, you give a big wave to everybody. Hello. Eli has been so excited. He's been bouncing off the walls back here, and it's been awesome. Um, Eli has decided today to celebrate with y'all uh, the salvation that he has known in his life. And so uh, one of the, the team members was talking to him and asking him, uh, tell, me, tell me, Eli, how is your relationship uh, with Jesus? And, and he said, I got to be honest, not great. Uh, I've only known him a month, which is just so good. It's so true and pure. And so Eli, man, I'm, I'm very proud of you. And I know that the people standing here, your family standing here are obviously, they love you deeply and they're so proud to walk with you as a brother in Christ. So today, is it true that you want to tell everybody you love Jesus? And you, is it true you want to tell everybody that he loves you too? And he's forgiven you your sin and you can't wait to tell everybody here about him. 
Yes, totally, totally. All right, so then it is with great joy that his dad, Aaron, is going to dunk him under the water, reminding us of Christ's burial and baptism, and he's going to bring him back up, reminding us of his resurrection life. thankful that you celebrated with us tonight, brother. Hey, friends, let's stand back up again and worship. So tonight we are on the part of the Lord's Prayer that talks about forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the vein of forgiveness and of reconciliation, leaning into one another in light of our brokenness, can we sing this first song just with our, our eyes up, our heads up, looking around, singing it over our brothers and sisters? Come as you are, come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come with your broken hearts, come with your sin, with your sorrows, with your guilts, and bring them before the Lord and even before one another, and might we experience the incredible grace and mercy that is found at his feet. So sing this together, one voice, over each other in this room tonight. broken 
God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates.
Lord Jesus, when we think about all that you have done, it overwhelms my heart, Lord, to know what you have done for us. That you came, you come, and you meet us right where we are. You meet us in our struggle, you meet us in our sin, and you say, I am the way, and I am the life, and I am the truth. And God, there are no words enough in our language to express the overwhelming gratitude that we have for your grace and for your mercy on us. Lord, as we sing tonight, will you hear our hearts praising you and thanking you for all that you have done. Amen. Grace that flows like a river washing
is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's remember well, church.
prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Amen. Well, good evening, family. Good evening online. Good to see you. Hey, if you're new or haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Colin, and it's a joy and an honor to be with you. Have you had a good Saturday? Yeah, out in the sun? Yeah, I see some sunburns. Hey, uh, if you got a Bible, it's Fellowship Bible, so I hope you do. A device or a Bible, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. We'll jump into Matthew 18 later, but go ahead in some way, shape, or form. I think it's good to have God's Word in front of you. And 
As we just prayed, we've been in a series on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, but it has been sweet for my soul as well as just even my understanding of why Jesus would command his disciples to pray this prayer every day. That this would be something that for them, this would become a regular pattern and a rhythm. He's giving us the very heartbeat of his own prayer life here, and that we uh, tonight will dive into a topic that uh, is heavy, uh, forgiveness, to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. C.S. Lewis said that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. (laughs) In 1994, uh, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu was assigned onto a council that was going to be a part of reconciling the entire nation of South Africa after 35 years of apartheid. That is, they had separated and divided the entire nation by race and by class, and it did not work out well. And so you have 35 years of a nation that has lived in hus- with walls of hostility towards each other. And resentment has festered, and bitterness is deep, And Tutu and his team were assigned to to focus in on violations, uh, particularly uh, around abductions, killings, tortures, and hate crimes that took place, and to get down to the heart of the matter, and how do we as a nation not only move on from this place, but heal in this place? And uh, Tutu mentions that he began to notice a pattern as he began to hear the stories of all these different people in South Africa, he started to notice this pattern that was taking place in his country. Began with hurt, harm, or loss. Someone had a grievance, someone had been hurt, and there was pain. Some of the most horrific stories. And from there, it was a retaliation. It was a choosing then to do harm towards others, and this went from every which way across the nation. And as he continued to listen and as the council would dive further into some of these stories, the way that these people of the same nation were talking about one another, it was as if they weren't even talking about a human being. He said it was horrific to hear them reject the humanity of their neighbors. And then it led to the the cycle would continue to revenge, retaliation, payback, to further violence and cruelty. And for 35 years, South Africa walked through this cycle. And I don't know about you, but I've walked it too. And it is a painful, painful experience, isn't it? The feeling of resentment and bitterness to know someone has hurt you and you just, oh, if only I could. Dr. Schwartz and her team up at John Hopkins in Baltimore did a study on the effects of bitterness and vengeance within some of their patients. They started to do a survey with patients who were coming in, and she says this, there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. It leads to chronic anger or bitterness that can keep you in a flight or fight mode so you spend most of your life either ready to go or ready to go and which results in a number of change in your body from increased blood pressure, immune system response failing. It can increase the risk of depression, anxiety, heart disease, other conditions. And then she says this, alternatively, forgiveness has significant levels of not only calming stress levels, but in in leading to improved health. She said that forgiveness is not just about saying the words, 
you are forgiven. It is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings towards another. And uh, I think Jesus would agree with Dr. Swartz that forgiveness has incredible positive effects, not only on the human body, but on the kingdom of God at work in our world. And so it is this prayer tonight that we will continue as we focus in where Jesus teaches us how to pray in the petition, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, Jesus is making something very clear and evident about the kingdom of God in this time. As he's continued throughout the gospels to reveal that the ethic of the kingdom could be described in love and joy and peace. But friends, we're living in a world that is hostile towards those, aren't we? And all of us, in some way, shape, or form, we know the pain and the hurt. It could have been years ago, or it could have been in the car on the way to the service tonight. That we know what it is like to be hurt and to live in a world that is hurting. And Jesus offers us not just an antidote, but a command for how his followers are to live in this world. And so I want to be incredibly sensitive with this subject tonight. Um, Some of us are at a really great place. It's May, it's sunny. Our relationships are kicking and it's like we love life right now. Uh, And others of us are in the thick of it. And we have some wounds and we have some hurts. And so what I'd love to do in this time, regardless of where on the spectrum of forgiveness you are or on the journey of forgiveness you are, could we pause for a moment to pray over one another as we dive into the words of Jesus tonight? Would you pray with me? Father, would you give us your heart tonight? Oh, how gracious and loving you are. Jesus, would you teach us to take your words very seriously, that we know that in them we will find life and life to the full. Holy Spirit, I pray for the hurts and the wounds that exist within the hearts in this room. Thank you that you heal and you restore and you make all things new. We love you, and it's your beautiful name we pray, amen. So the reality is that in this world, life is hard. That we make decisions that harm one another. See, the, Jesus is doing something here that is common amongst uh, the rabbis in Judaism by saying it's, it's a debt, that forgive us our debts. Some versions say trespasses, others say sins, but the earliest version would say that Jesus is referring to a metaphor here. That sin is not just the bad decisions we make that God disapproves of. That's part of it. Jesus is teaching us that sin actually has something so much more significant at play, not only in our hearts, but in God's good world. See, in some way, shape, or form, what sin is doing is it is stealing the glory and the honor that rightfully God deserves and that we are to take in his goodness to this world. All the way back in Genesis chapter three, God has existed in right relationship with man and man with one another and man with this world. And as sin enters the picture, so does death and evil. Two great enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so by sinning, what we actually are doing is we are robbing God the glory he deserves in the world of the goodness that God intends. And so it's so much more than just the bad decisions we make in the private that's between us and God. It actually has immense ratifications for not only our neighbors, but the world we live in. 
And so Jesus, by teaching us, forgive us our debts, he's saying, we have stolen from God. And I don't know the last time you got that bill in the mail, or if you've ever been like, you're gonna go to collections. It's a really scary process, isn't it? And to have someone call and say, hey, it's covered. It's cleared. You're free. Jesus is communicating whatever he means by forgiveness. It is a letting go. It is a releasing of. It is a not expecting something from, but saying, it's paid. You're covered. And so to, to start, I'd love to start with, as Jesus does, the, the forgiveness we ask from, from the Father. But Jesus seems to think that forgiveness from God is something that then is actually bestowed from God or through us to others. They actually go hand in hand. And so to start, uh, Jesus has a lot of teachings on forgiveness, but let's just look. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Some men brought a man paralyzed, lying on a mat, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Quickly, to, to fly through this story, uh, there is a man who is paralyzed. Jesus is teaching in a house. It's very crowded. They can't get to it, so they decide, let's go up on the roof, rip the roof open, and we'll let him down. How amazing would it be in this moment if the roof started coming off? Kind of distracting, right? But Jesus doesn't even blink an eye, he says to this man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees begin to get angry. And they say, who is this man who forgives sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus says, which would be easier for me to tell this man to hop up and walk or to say that your sins are forgiven, but so that you could know that I have the authority to forgive sins. I say to this man, get up and walk. See, Jesus steps into the area where we not only most need physical healing, but we need spiritual healing. And in saying your sins are forgiven, he continues this movement that is at the heart of the kingdom of God, that this is not a kingdom that will be won through the shedding of the blood of enemies. It will be won through forgiveness. Later on, Jesus is at a dinner party with some other uh, religious leaders. And... Uh, there's a woman there who comes in, and while they're having this dinner party, a woman who's known as a sinner, is all we're told, but someone who's not really welcomed for the religious elite, comes in, and she begins to weep and to cry at Jesus' feet, and she begins to anoint him with oil, showing reverence and respect. This is a woman looking for someone to help her. So she comes to him, and Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests begin to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus, as if not hearing them, looks at the woman and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, the, the Jewish teachers in the room, they understood that forgiveness would be a part of the Messianic kingdom, but why is this man sitting here forgiving sins? That's something only God can do. It's something he initiates. And so Jesus comes announcing that, hey, the, the kingdom's here and I'm the king. The age of forgiveness has arrived. And at the very heart of God's kingdom, of what he's doing in this world, is mercy. It's forgiveness. Jesus tells another story to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. He told a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. And he just begins to list them off. The robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, even this tax collector. 
And he starts going through all the things he does. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But off in the distance stands a tax collector. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus looks at this man and says, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yeah. See, friends, forgiveness is at the very heart of who our God is. The Hebrew word is hased. It's his loving kindness. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He has washed and cleansed us. He takes our sins, and as far as east is from west, so he does away with them. This is at the very center of the triune God. And here is the king bringing in the kingdom, saying, you're forgiven. Your sins are clean. You are washed. So first and foremost, we need to understand that forgiveness is not necessarily something we do. It's something that flows through the very character of who God is. That a forgiving and gracious and loving God, compassionate This is the God who forgives iniquity, uh, slow to anger. Forgiveness, secondly, is is a matter of divine grace. It is a gift. God does not have to pay our debt. And as Paul says so well, for the wages of sin is death. And this Savior King will fully pay that so that sinners may be reconciled to God, to be made new. And so, friend, first and foremost, what you need to understand tonight is that God stands ready to forgive you. John goes on to write later that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us every time. And so what I'd love to do right now is just stop. Because I don't know if you've had the chance to ask God for forgiveness today. But I... I would argue that Jesus is teaching us this is a daily prayer. He taught his disciples to pray this every day, right? So forgive us our debts means there is an ongoing coming to God and saying, Lord, cleanse me, wash me. This sin, I confess it to you. I love the way that uh, uh, confession can be defined. It's a sharing our deepest weaknesses and failures with God and trusted others so that we may enter into God's grace and mercy and experience his forgiveness and his healing. Our God is a forgiving God. He is a gracious God, and he stands ready. So what I'd love to do in this moment is just to take a second to put it to practice, not just to think about God being a forgiving God, but together, could we confess? And there's an old prayer since the third century known as the Jesus Prayer, and it's very simple. It's similar to the tax collectors, and it says, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And confession at the heart is not just telling God the bad things we've done. It's actually agreeing with God. It's agreeing with God with who he is, what he does, as well as who we are and what we do. And so in this moment, in the quiet of your own heart, even online, I invite you, would you just close your eyes? Would you take a deep breath? Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And would you just call to mind a few of the things that you need to agree with God on tonight? Jesus, thank you that you promise that your grace is sufficient for our weakness. And for the weaknesses we've confessed, we thank you that you forgive us, you cleanse us, you call us beloved. It's in your beautiful name. Amen. Now what I would argue is the harder part of Jesus' prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus taught his disciples there are two commandments you are to live by, and it is a love for God, and it is a love for neighbor. And in Jesus's economy of the kingdom, these, these actually come hand in hand. Uh, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus actually comes back to this petition. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Listen to how seriously Jesus expects his disciples to take forgiveness. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of yours. And uh, th there's no way around it. There's a few different ways we can interpret this. One thing Jesus is not saying is that you are saved by your works. <laughs> Promise, just if you wanna have a coffee about it sometime, let's go. But what Jesus clearly is saying here is that forgiveness is very, very, very serious to the heart of God and therefore is to be serious for the heart of his followers, correct? That we at the heart are to be known by our love. So question, can we be loving and unforgiving? It seems like Jesus is saying no. That love and forgiveness in my kingdom actually go hand in hand. C.S. Lewis would continue to say that at the very heart of being a Christian, it means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That Jesus wants us to understand as his apprentices, as his followers, as those who are trying to join his kingdom movement of love and joy and peace in this world, that we are going to be a people who are forgiving. And Jesus offers a very practical way that we within the community of faith are actually to go about this. If you have a Bible, follow me, Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 18. And I would encourage you tomorrow morning, sometime this week, go back and read through this entire chapter because Jesus is building up to something. Just before this part of the teaching, Jesus has talked about the kingdom of God being like a little child and that his followers are, are like this child are to grow up and to mature in the ways of Jesus. And then Jesus reaches this point where, okay, what do we as, as disciples, Jesus, what do we do when we have conflict with one another? What do we do in this broken world where hurt people hurt people? How do we function? And Jesus gives them very practical tips that I think are applicable to us today. He says this in Matthew 18, verse 15. First, 
If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. Step one. Okay, so I don't know if, if the hurt's in the room, if it's someone outside of this room, if it's someone from far, far long ago, but Jesus gives a very practical step. You have been wronged, you have been hurt. What's step number one? Go talk to them. Address it. Go to that brother or sister in Christ and say, this is what happened. Address it with them. But what if they don't listen? <laughs> what if they, they think I'm being too insensitive? Or what if the conflict escalates? Like, what if it actually makes it worse? They will not listen, verse 16. Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So uh, didn't go too well in the first conversation. There wasn't reconciliation there. Grab a brother or sister and, and join together. This is not to shame. This is not to blame. This is to, to begin to try to live out. We're going to be a people who forgive this person wronged me. Hey, you, you wronged them. What do you do if they still won't admit the wrong? If they still won't join into reconciliation? Jesus gives a third. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. <laughs> Here's why. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There's a really bad way to read that. There's a way to read that that says, stand up in service and air out the dirty laundry and then treat that person like the most wicked person we know. Is that what Jesus means? How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? With love, with mercy. He extended grace to them. So whatever Jesus means by forgiveness, what he does not mean is that we treat this person like they're horrible or they're less human. No, if anything, he actually calls us to endow upon them the same amount of love we would endow upon someone who's not of the fold of faith. Jesus gives us very practical steps, but uh, Peter still has problems with it. <laughs> Look what, uh, oh, sorry, real quick. Whatever Jesus means by forgiveness, he doesn't mean a few of these things. And there's some really bad cultural definitions of forgiveness, right? Number one, who has heard the term forgive and forget? Good luck, right? Just shove those emotions really deep down inside you and see how it goes. But if you're anything like me, it begins to leak out on those who don't deserve further harm and who have done nothing wrong. Jesus clearly doesn't mean that we forgive and forget. No, he said, step one, go address the situation, address the conflict. Number two, it's not condoning or excusing the behavior. It's not just saying, oh, you're fine. That's just what they do. It's, it's great. I can just, we've, it's been happening for years. It's just part of who they are. That's not what Jesus means. He also doesn't mean that we tolerate or accept further pain as kind of like a doormat that you as a follower of Jesus, you're just supposed to take it and take it and take it. No, he, he wants us to address it. He's given us clear steps to say there's pain and there's hurt and I'm bringing healing. Join me in this. He, uh, it's also not reconciliation or trust. And this is something I think I even get very backwards. Whatever Jesus means here by forgiveness, he doesn't fully mean reconciliation or trust. Why? Because reconciliation takes two people. Trust takes two people to build it. So what happens if you have one person who's been hurt and is seeking healing and you have another who won't join? You, 
you can't reconcile, right? And so what it takes for reconciliation and trust to be built is two people who say, we're gonna do this. We're gonna enter into this. Paul even says it in Romans chapter 12, that as far as you are able, meaning there'll be times you're not able, live at peace with those around you, with all. But whatever Jesus means by forgiveness here, it's different than reconciliation. Why? It takes two to reconcile. And then this one I think is so important. Forgiveness is not removing of consequences. It's not a dismissing and saying, you wronged me, you hurt me, but hey, there's no, there's no punishment, there's no consequences to your actions or behavior. This clearly doesn't work because we have a thing called jail. <laughs> if someone does harm to somebody else, there's punishment involved. There are consequences to your actions. And Jesus, I think, would agree with us that every single thing you do in this life, it matters. Every decision, every behavior, it has implications not only to the way you live, but to those around you, how you think, how you feel. Everything you do matters to God and to others. So forgiveness is not just that what you did didn't matter. Peter has some questions. Matthew 18, 21. Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, uh, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? <laughs> you ever thought this before, this question? Up to seven times? See, the rabbis would teach maybe three, like three strikes you're out kind of mentality. Like you can do it, not done. Pete's like, I'll be holy. How about seven? Look what Jesus says. I tell you not seven but 77. Peter, his jaw drops, like you can just imagine. Jesus is doing something brilliant. Uh, if you go to Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel has just happened. The first murder in humanity has taken place. And Cain uh, has now, we, we're living in Cain city. There's violence, there's turmoil, there's pain, but God has not given up. But there's one of Cain's kiddos named Lamech. Not the greatest dude in the world, but Lamech, all we get about him really short, he writes a little poem. And he writes a poem to his wives and says uh, that I have someone who hurt me and Cain only killed one person, I'll kill 77. He's boasting. He's saying, I will unleash such vengeance. It, you can't even, un it'll be so unlimited. 77 times the vengeance of Lamech. And Jesus is taking that, and he's saying, the same way that Lamech boasts of his vengeance, my followers will boast of forgiveness. Unlimited. You don't keep count 77. He's using this number as a metaphor. He says this in 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and anytime you hear the king say the kingdom is like, tune in. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold uh, was brought to him. Since this man was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold uh, to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and began to beg, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. So we have a king. We have a servant. The servant owes a huge debt to this king. The servant says, forgive me. What does the king do? Cancels the debt. You are forgiven. Jesus continues. 
Verse 28, but when that servant went out, this person just forgiven, just cleared the debt. You are good, you are free, you do not owe. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, not that much. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and the man thrown, uh, and, and the man thrown in prison until he could pay off the debt, which is ironic because, friend, how can you pay off a debt when you're imprisoned? See, the, the bitterness and the vengeance had so wrapped up this servant, he wasn't even thinking clearly anymore. This person can't even do anything now. You've imprisoned them. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the, the king, their master, everything. And watch this. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all he owed. 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. See, Jesus is doing something masterful in this parable Friend, to not forgive those who have wronged or hurt you, it's torture. It begins to eat you alive. Everything you do begins to become wrapped up in this bitterness. And Jesus, what he means by forgiveness is a choice of the heart. That where do we forgive them? Is it with our words? Is it, is it by giving something or doing something? No, Jesus says it's within your heart. For Jesus, the heart is not talking about your biological heart. It's talking about everything you think and you feel. Your emotions and your thoughts being aligned. It's why in the Shema, the prayer that Jesus himself would pray three times a day, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's why the scriptures will say that we are to guard our heart for from it flow wellsprings of living water. One of the best books I've read on it, Lewis Mead, in The Art of Forgiveness, he says this, that because I am forgiven, I choose to forgive. That is a choice to release retaliation, embrace mercy, and pardon the offenses of those who've wronged me. Whew. It is a heart-changing process of remembering God's forgiveness rediscovering the humanity of those who hurt me, surrendering my right to get evening and even and wishing well upon that person. And this is a journey, not a one-time decision. And this is a journey that we as the church are not made or meant to walk alone. And so I want to be sensitive because I know we have some pretty devastating abuse and wounds in the room. And some of them go so far back. And Jesus' teaching tonight comes very heavy. But this is not meant to be walked alone. This is why we as the community of faith are being commanded to walk and live in the world with this ethic of forgiveness. And if you're looking for some masters in the art of forgiveness, there's a thing that happens in this room on Friday nights called Celebrate Recovery. And they are some of the best followers of Jesus at it, Amen. 
And that at Celebrate Recovery, learning how to deal with life's hurts, habits, hang up, to start that process and that journey. So if you have not had the opportunity to begin this journey, I would encourage you, please don't leave tonight without talking to a staff member or someone in this room about beginning that process. Because Mead says, when forgiveness is necessary, don't wait too long. We must begin to forgive because without forgiving, we choke off our own joy. We kill our own soul. People carrying hate and resentment, they invest themselves so deeply in that resentment that they gradually begin to define themselves in terms of it. And friend, if you have found yourself lost in an identity of bitterness, it's time to start the journey of healing. Jesus not only desires it for you, he commands it. He commands it. Back to South Africa to close. You can close your Bibles. Uh, so after seeing the cycle at play, Tutu then began to say, okay, so how are we going to restore this community? How do we do this well? And it began first and foremost with choosing to heal. It was a choice. It was a decision. We as a nation, as a people, we are going to choose to heal, to join God's kingdom in this time. Then we're going to tell the story. Carrie Tucker, really incredible godly woman. She says, once you know someone's story, it tell, it's so much easier to connect. If you think of God in the garden, this was his strategy too. Adam and Eve has sinned, and the first thing he asks is, where are you? Tell me what happened. It is connection over correction. Then name the hurt and be specific. This is not blame, shame time. This is, here's what happened, and this is what hurt. Third, Grant forgiveness. See the humanity in the person who's offended you. A fellow image bearer, someone made in the image of God to reflect his glory who also has been hurt by others. And granting him that choice of I will not retaliate. And then fourth is renewing the relationship. And this is a process. I love that, that Tutu said renew, not return. It's not going back to what was or the behaviors that was there. It is something new where we don't avoid the pain of the past, but we actually heal and grow together through it. And if you look at the life of Jesus, this is something he walked very well as a wounded healer. That he was wounded time and time and time again, and through it, healing would continue to take place. And so he invites his apprentices, his followers, to be wounded healers that we will be wounded in this life and in and through forgiveness, we experience healing and extend it to others. June 17th, 2015, um, Dylan Roof walked into a church that was having a Bible study, shot nine people. Horrific event. The city of Cain and Lamech on full display. And Nadine Collier was the daughter of one of the people. Uh, she lost her mother in this incident. And I want you to listen to the words of this wounded healer. She said in a statement on local television, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me, you hurt a lot of people, but if God forgives you, 
I forgive you. And that statement began to a process for that church and that community and that city to join in the kingdom movement of love, joy, and peace rooted in God's forgiveness in this world. So I don't know where you are on the journey of hurt. But I will tell you, one of the best resources I've received from Celebrate Recovery is the serenity prayer. And I'd love to close our time with this prayer. And whether that is you are far into this journey or you are just about to begin, I would encourage you, do not walk this alone. Do not walk this alone. We as a community of faith, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the world is looking for wounded healers and we have the opportunity in this space to do it. Let's do it well. So I encourage you, we practice confession. I'd love now just to close in the practice of prayer. Can we read it together? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you in the next. Amen. Mosaic, we have the opportunity to go be wounded healers this week. Oh, may we do it well. If you need prayer, we'd love to invite you. Please let us know how to pray well. If you're new, uh, we'd love to connect with you and say hi before you leave. And uh, friends, I, I can't encourage you uh, enough that this week could we go into the world and to take Jesus up on his offer and his command to choose forgiveness. We love you. Grace and peace.